What does the Quran say about Jesus, God, woman, life in paradise, are some close comparisons of the Bible that Nahed makes in the extract which follows. It is hardly an account of meeting and conversion to Jesus Christ, but rather of convictions examined in the light of the writings of the Quran and the Bible. Author's Preamble These letters are addressed to you, my Muslim brother, my Muslim sister, you who are indeed anxious to be sincere, coherent and consistent with you, as with the others. Let us give thanks together to the Lord who distinguished man from all creatures by granting him the faculty of reason. Also I ask you to use your intelligence, and to accompany me in a reflection on the messages of the Quran and the Gospel, in order to find together the truth. We are all convinced that we can approach the truth only through research and reflection. He, therefore, who truly aspires to know the truth, cannot stop seeking and questioning himself. I absolutely do not want to demean the dignity of Islam or discredit it, and I never will. I only wanted to be faithful to my research. Please know that I love you all, especially since I was one of yours and still feel like you are. No one can understand Islam if he has not lived in Islam. The Christian faith has brought me incredible peace and joy, unknown in Islam. The Quran exalts violence, the Gospel exalts love, even of enemies. Christianity is a life worthy of angels. May the Lord grant His light to all men to know His truth and His love. Introduction Message from Nahed Mahmoud Metwali sent from his exile in Holland to all Muslims living in countries where the right to freedom of conscience is respected. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today in your name and in your love. We thank you for serving us for the glory of your name. We pray that you'll put your word on our lips. We do not want to speak, but to let your Holy Spirit speak in our midst. Presentation by Nahed Mahmoud Matwali Let me first briefly introduce myself, I am Nahed Mahmoud Matwali, former Deputy Headmaster of Helmi at El Zaytun Secondary School in the suburbs of Cairo, Egypt. I was a Muslim, I was born into a Muslim family. My family members held senior positions in government. Like all Muslims, I hated Christianity and Christians. We called Christians ungodly and accused them of falsifying the Bible. I persecuted them very severely and treated them with extreme severity. I believed it was my duty to do so. Until the day I met the Lord Jesus. He revealed Himself to me and I gave my life to Him, because of the immensity of His tenderness and His love. I left my country, my family and all things, for the sake of Christ and the testimony for the name of Christ. All of my family members practice Islam until now. My Love for Muslims I like Muslims very much, because the law of Christ is that of brotherly love. Because of this love, I wrote three letters to them. In the first letter, I introduce the person of Christ from the Quran. If we study the Meccan surahs that speak of Christ, we find that they are very much in accordance with the teaching of the Gospel. In Christianity, we say nothing else. In this letter, I mention all the Quranic references that relate to Christ. The second letter deals with the place of women in Islam. In the third letter, I examine the Quranic verse which states that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Is this true? The answer is given by this letter. First letter, Presentation of the Place of Christ and the Saint Virgin Mary in the Quran The Place of Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Quran The Quran says of Mary that God elected her, purified her and preferred her to all the women of the world. The Quran does not say anything like this about any other woman. He also reports that the angels, addressing Mary, 
said to her, O Mary, behold, Allah announces to you a word from him, his name will be Almasi Isakama son of Mary. It should be noted that no mother, in the whole world, no child, has benefited from an annunciation by angels. The Quran also says, about the wonderful birth of Christ, that he did not have a father. No other human being has been fathered without human intervention. The Quran also mentions the miracles performed by Christ, he spoke in his cradle, designating himself as the messenger of God. He raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind, cleansed lepers, healed all sickness. Moreover, a tradition, Hadith, relates, the hour of the last judgment, will not come without the coming down among you the Messiah, son of Mary, as a just judge. This means that the return of Christ must precede the day of judgment and Christ will judge the whole world. The Quran also says that Christ did not die, but that God brought him up to heaven. And now, my brothers and sisters, wherever you are, I ask you the question, to whom else has the Quran given this testimony? Of whom did he say his mother is holy, chosen above all the women in the world? The Quran also says of Jesus, and of him alone, that he will be assigned to the people and a mercy from God, he will be illustrious in this world and in the future life and among those close to, God. God gave to Christ, and to him alone, his own attributes, the power to create, Jesus, child, modeled the bird in the clay and breathed life into it and the bird flew, the power to raise the dead, a divine power, the power to heal any disease. No prophet has been blessed with all of these powers. And if I am told that Christ performed all these miracles with God's permission, I will answer, of course. But why did God not give this permission to others but only to Christ, if not because Christ is the Spirit of God and His Word deposited in Mary? We therefore find that the Quran, in the Meccan period, recognized the truth of Christ. But then, in the Medinan Surahs, he denied the divinity of Christ. This is explained by the well-known fact that Muhammad, the Apostle of Islam, wanted, at the beginning of his career, to get closer to Christians and befriend them in order to rally them to his cause. But when, in Medina, his disciples increased in number and he grew strong, he denied what he had said about Christ and produced very different texts that we know. And this is an unacceptable thing. About the falsification of the Bible Another important point, some of our Muslim brothers and sisters claim that the Bible has been tampered with. I then ask them the following question, when was the Bible falsified? Before or after the formation of the Quran? If they answer me, first, I will then ask them why the Quran refers to the authority of the Bible and designates it many times as the Book of God? And if they say to me, afterwards, why would the Bible have been falsified after the Quran? And why did the Quran not warn Muslims against this future forgery? We find, on the contrary, in the Quran, the recommendation made to Muhammad, the founder of Islam, to obtain information, in case of doubt, from those who read the book revealed before him, that is to say the Bible. In other words, if the Bible had been falsified before the Quran, the latter should not have referred to it, and if it was to be tampered with after the Quran, the latter should have warned against it. So we must not repeat unfounded accusations about the Bible. Besides, how could human beings have corrupted a revelation given by God? Would God be powerless to keep his word? The accusation of falsification is very serious and should never be made again. The Quran affirms that the Bible, the Torah and the Gospel, is revealed by God and, at the end of Surah 2, the cow, he says, the envoy believed in what was sent down to him from his Lord, and also the believers, all believed in Allah, in his angels, to his books and to his messengers, we make no distinction between his messengers, verse 285.
It is therefore inadmissible for Muslims to assert the contrary. Second letter, the place of women in Islam. Polygamy. In the second letter, I broached the subject of the place of women in Islam. Forgive me if my words will sometimes seem offensive to you. Everything I will say is based on the noble Quran, Al-Quran Al-Karim. According to verse 3 of Surah 4, Anisa comma women, God has given every Muslim the right to marry two, three or four women. The verse adds, but if you fear that you will not be righteous, then only one. Now, it is impossible to be fair. On the subject of polygamy, I would like to address the conscience of every man and woman. I would like to ask the woman, can you accept that this great mystery of intimacy that exists between you and your husband is renewed with a second and a third and a fourth wife? Now, we know the pain a woman feels at the slightest suspicion of betrayal on the part of her husband, if only by a simple glance. How then can God be so cruel as to make a woman suffer by giving her husband the right to share marital intimacy with one, two and three other women? I am convinced it is not from God. It is a shame for a man to be bigamy, to the point that in some Muslim countries, such as Tunisia, bigamy is prohibited. Educated and well-educated families also exclude it. How can God allow it? I entrust this question to your conscience. The Divorce Another worrying subject for women in Islam, divorce. How does the husband have the right to repudiate his wife with a simple word you are repudiated? The woman thus finds herself in the street with her children, and her married life comes to an end, as a result of a word spoken by the husband in a moment of anger or following an altercation. Is it permissible for the wife to live under the constant threat of divorce pronounced by the husband for any reason? Divorce is much more serious than that. Married life represents a relationship that requires that the man and the woman lead their respective families to become attached to each other, to found a new home and to become one. How would the simple word you are repudiated be enough to destroy a home? Worse than that, if the formula is repeated three times, so that the reconciliation between the spouses can take place, it is necessary to have recourse to an absoluter. What shall I say about this absoluter, O oh my Muslim brother and sister, except that this is shameless shamelessness, how can you accept that your wife, with whom you were united and formed only one being, go and marital unite with a foreigner so that it is lawful for you to take her back? It is opposed to holiness, and God is holy. I cannot admit that this law emanates from the holy God. Moreover, in the law of Moses, on the contrary, when a man repudiated his wife, if another man married her and then repudiated her, it was absolutely forbidden for the first husband to take her back. The Intimate Relationship with the Servant I would like to point out one last point concerning women in Islam. The text of the Quran which authorizes a man to marry four women adds to them the women whom your right hands possess, my malakat amanukam. The meaning of this expression is well known in Islam. But I explain it. It is about any woman in the service of a family in the capacity of servant or governess such, formerly, the slaves, any woman who receives a salary from the husband becomes his property, which gives him the right to use her. Is this tolerable? I'm asking you. And if this woman conceives a child of these relationships, what will be the fate of this child? What tragedies in perspective, no, our God who is holy cannot accept these customs. The Quest for the Truth When I was in Islam, my heart was hard as a rock, I covered my ears so as not to hear. And I thank the Lord for this day that I stood before Him begging Him to show me the truth. We will all die and we will appear before God. It will be the great day of judgment. We will be in the hands of God who will ask us why we have not listened to His word. What will we answer? That we preferred our family to Him?
As for me, I beg God, Lord, guide me, show me the truth. All that matters to me is that at the end of my life, you receive me into your eternity. Keep me on the right path. I thank the Lord who enlightened me and manifested himself to me and revealed his Son to me, our Lord Jesus Christ. You absolutely refuse the expression Son of God because you are thinking of a carnal relationship. You think, God forgive me, you imagine that the Sonship of Christ supposes that God married the Virgin Mary. What an aberration! The Sonship of Christ is spiritual because God is Spirit. Whoever is the source of all fruitfulness, how can he be deprived of it? He revealed to us that from all eternity, while being the unique, he is fullness of life, he is love, he is gift, he is interpersonal relationships. The one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the mystery of the Most Holy Trinity revealed by the Only Begotten in the Gospel. The Sensual Life in Paradise I would now like to address the important question of the description of paradise. I ask God and you to forgive me, because I will have to say shameful things, but which have their source in the Quran and its commentaries. Wives in paradise are virgins and man unites with them. After each sexual intercourse, these women become virgins again, an incalculable number of virgins to be deflowered, in paradise in the presence of God. A paradise whose main happiness lies in endless sexual pleasure. In heaven there are also eternally young boys, 7619. It costs me to continue this description of paradise. What do these boys represent? I have read the commentary of Sheikh Muhammad Galal Kashk, which appeared in Egypt in a book entitled, Thoughts of a Muslim on the Sexual Question, published by the Muslim Heritage Library of the Muslim Research Institute. Great was my surprise and I could not continue reading beyond four or five pages of this book which aroused a virulent criticism from the readers. The Egyptian religious university Al-Azhar had to set up a review committee which took a long time to deliver its conclusions. On July 22, 1984, this committee decreed that this book was not contrary to the teachings of the Muslim religion. However, the writer affirmed that whoever on earth resists the temptation of pedophilia, will be rewarded in paradise by having boys at his disposal. I feel ashamed and do not feel able to further reflect on this subject. O oh people! How can the holy God tolerate this dreadful sin in heaven? Whoever abstains from sexual relations with a boy will find him in paradise. And this boy will always remain young, reason, logic rebels against these beliefs. We all know that this aberrant sexual behavior exists in the Arabian Peninsula. And to please the Bedouins, Muhammad, the Apostle of Islam, promised them boys in paradise to satisfy their perverse instincts. How, my friends, can you welcome this teaching and come together to listen to it and listen to it again? The paradise which will be our reward at the resurrection after a righteous and virtuous life, this paradise, how can it consist in sexual activities with women and boys? How can it be reduced to the pleasures of drinking and eating, flesh of birds and all kinds of desirable meats, rivers of honey, wine and milk, I appeal to your judgment. Now compare with paradise in Christianity, or, more accurately, the kingdom of God or eternal life. The Lord Jesus reveals to us that we will be like angels. Our glorified bodies will not need to eat or drink. They will not have carnal desires. Like the angels who do not eat and do not marry. This is the difference between the paradise of Islam and the heaven of Christianity. Flesh of birds and all kinds of desirable meats, rivers of honey, wine and milk, I appeal to your judgment. Now compare with paradise in Christianity, or, more accurately, the kingdom of God or eternal life. The Lord Jesus reveals to us that we will be like angels. 
Our glorified bodies will not need to eat or drink. They will not have carnal desires. Like the angels who do not eat and do not marry. This is the difference between the paradise of Islam and the heaven of Christianity. Flesh of birds and all kinds of desirable meats, rivers of honey, wine and milk. I appeal to your judgment. Now compare with paradise in Christianity, or, more accurately, the kingdom of God or eternal life. The Lord Jesus reveals to us that we will be like angels. Our glorified bodies will not need to eat or drink. They will not have carnal desires. Like the angels who do not eat and do not marry. This is the difference between the paradise of Islam and the heaven of Christianity. The Lord Jesus reveals to us that we will be like angels. Our glorified bodies will not need to eat or drink. They will not have carnal desires. Like the angels who do not eat and do not marry. This is the difference between the paradise of Islam and the heaven of Christianity. The Lord Jesus reveals to us that we will be like angels. Our glorified bodies will not need to eat or drink. They will not have carnal desires. Like the angels who do not eat and do not marry. This is the difference between the paradise of Islam and the heaven of Christianity. The Attributes of God Islam gives God 99 attributes, or names. A tradition, Hadith, says that whoever recites them enters paradise. I knew that the hundredth name was unknown, God revealed it in prayer and by invoking this name, everything could be obtained immediately. I took the time to recite these divine names. However, I discovered, among them, the proud, the mighty, the avenger and I was taken with fear. God is most high, He is far away, He is strong, mighty, avenger. And this statement from the Quran, none of you will escape, the fire. It's terrifying. The more I read the Quran and indulged in piety according to its spirit, the more terror I felt. I have read dozens of times and wrote over half of its content. I have read and studied the divine names many times. I recited them, Allah, no God except Him, the Most Merciful, the Most Merciful, the King, the Holy One, the Salvation, the Dominator, the Helper, etc., then, the Almighty, the Avenger, the Most High and I got scared. But when I saw Christ and understood what Christianity is, when I started reading the Holy Bible, I discovered a whole different God. A gentle, good, merciful, benevolent God for men. He gave His only Son to bear my sins and justify me before Him. The Forgiveness of Sins If you are wondering why the forgiveness of sins involves the death of Christ, I will tell you that it is because God is both righteous and merciful. His justice does not take away His mercy, and His mercy does not undermine His justice. Adam sinned by disobeying God's commands. On the inspiration of the serpent who is Satan, he ate from the tree of knowledge, the apple of which the Quran speaks. Adam sinned and we inherited his sin. Someone had to take away sin. Oh my Muslim brothers and sisters, you slaughter an innocent little lamb, you offer it for redemption. You call him Kabsh al-Fida, the sheep of redemption. We can then understand the need for Christ to come to earth, so that he dies on the cross and takes away our sins, he who. Violence in Islam, the gentleness of Christ. I would now like to address another very important subject. The entire Quran calls on Muslim believers to fight and kill, which is mind-boggling. If we examine how Islam has spread around the world, and this by Muslims themselves, we find that it was by the edge of the sword. How can it be that God incites murder? The Quran, from cover to cover, encourages the conquest of countries by force by repeating, kill. Kill. However, the Quran declares, you have your religion, and I have mine. 
He then asserts that anyone who practices a religion other than Islam will not be approved. Why this contradiction? If God had wanted to extend Islam to all mankind, didn't he have the power? Why resort to violence? God created us free and he will call us to account on the great day of judgment. How then would God give the right to a man to kill another man because he does not adhere to Islam? Or again, how would God give the right to a man to kill another man for leaving Islam, the death sentence of the apostate? God respects our freedom. How can we tolerate the idea that a human being can kill another under the pretext that he has left Islam? What was the attitude of Christ who is gentle, good, and sinless, who raised the dead, healed all diseases, and exercised the power of the Creator? When the Apostle Peter drew his sword to defend him on the last night before the crucifixion, he said to him, Put your sword back into its scabbard. Can't I ask my Father to send angels from heaven to defend me? But I have come for this hour. John 18 11, 12 27, 18 36. Let's compare Christianity and Islam. We have the word of Christ, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other to him. Then comes Islam which calls for combat and murder, which orders the killing of the apostate by saying, kill them, cut them up. Christ invites us to seek the kingdom of God, not to worry about the things of the earth. Only care about the kingdom of God and he will give us all things. While in Islam, what prevails is murder, perfidy and deception. The Salvation of Jesus Christ The Lord Jesus gave His life on the cross to destroy the sin of the world and purify it for centuries past, present and future, until the end of the world and the Quran comes and declares, they did not kill Him, they did not crucify Him, but He seemed to them. What does it mean, it seemed to them? According to the commentators of the Quran, God made the appearance of Jesus, the son of Mary, to another man who was then arrested and crucified, while Jesus was lifted up into heaven. Is this a reasonable speech? How can God make a man look like another and send him to the cross in his stead? May God forgive me for my words, that would not be fair. The Quran adds that Christ was lifted up to heaven. Certainly Christ was exalted, but only after having shed his blood through the sacrifice of the cross for the salvation of the world. Oh my Muslim brothers and sisters, the number of followers of a religion is irrelevant. What matters is the salvation of souls. And it is because of my joy and my happiness, of this beautiful life that I lead through my union with Christ, of this peace that my soul enjoys, that I want everyone to be able to taste and experience the beauty of life with the Lord Jesus. The Condition of Women in Islam Something else I want to remind my Muslim sister. I mentioned to you, above, that your husband has the right to marry, in addition to you, a second a third and a fourth wife, experiencing within the great mystery of the intimacy that you live together. And if he repudiates you in a moment of anger by the formula of the triple repudiation, you can return to him only after having performed the conjugal act with a stranger. Imagine how much the woman's body is degraded since it must pass from one man to another. Another point, the repudiation of the wife can be done on a simple word of the husband and she is in the street. As for you, you do not have the right to divorce. The initiative for marriage and divorce belongs to the man and marriage represents for you a prison from which it is not easy to get out. When the situation is untenable, you have to go to court with the prospect of incredible complications. The Inheritance Another serious matter, inheritance. How does God allow, in the Quran, that the part which goes to the man is double that of the woman? This could be understood in the old days when the man was the only one to ensure the survival of the family. But the situation has changed, today, women work hand in hand with men. 
She works outside the home and helps earn a living for the family. She is educated and holds the highest positions in society. Why then should she be given half a portion? And what must a woman feel when she sees a boy of 16 or 17 receiving a share of the inheritance double that of a woman of advanced age? The inferiority of women before the courts. Another question, that of testimony in court. The Quran says that a man's testimony is equivalent to that of two women. If one of them forgets, the other helps him to remember, but who said that the memory of the man is more powerful than that of the woman? And that in this area a man is worth two women? We are now in the modern world marked by the advancement of science. Nothing indicates that the memory of the woman is less powerful than that of the man, nothing justifies the claim that the testimony of a man is worth that of two women. There is nothing to justify rejecting the testimony of a single woman. Personally, I want to know why this situation of inferiority. Could God ignore that the woman would become educated, cultivated and take her place in the world of work? Women today occupy all social functions. She is a doctor, she takes care of scientific research, she assumes the functions of minister and prime minister, she is queen, she is head of state. How then can woman be considered in Islam as half a portion in all fields? Could God ignore the social evolution of women? Of course not, and this negative situation cannot be accepted by any intelligence, any logic. I remember when my father died we went to court for inheritance proceedings. At the time, I was the director of the secondary school for girls in Helmi at El Zaytun. I had a bachelor's degree in education, promotion of the year 1963, the highest qualification in this field. I was accompanied by my 16-year-old nephew, a second-year secondary student. My testimony as an academic, as a mature woman, was refused, I had to find another woman to support my testimony. And that of the 16-year-old boy was accepted. Is this a logic that suits our time? Islam, in my opinion, suited the time of living in tents in the desert, the time of Muhammad and not our time. The question of the veil. Another question I would like to whisper to you, my Muslim sister, are you convinced of the need to wear the veil? And what does the veil represent? What is hair that needs to be covered? Whether your hair is covered or uncovered, what does it matter? If I am told to hide your hair to avoid attracting the gaze of men, I ask why men don't control their gazes? Do you want to know, O oh my Muslim sister, what Christ says? He who looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery in his heart. Sin is therefore the responsibility of both and not just the woman. Why does Islam force you to cover your head and body in such a way that you do not show anything about you that can seduce a man considered to be a being deprived of all control over himself? Is this reasonable? Why not observe the right measure both in the clothing of the woman and in the attitude of the man who will refrain from looking with covetousness at the woman? Why would I have to cover myself from head to toe to prevent the man from seeing me and wanting me? Logic does not require this. The Christian Woman As far as the Christian life is concerned, Christ has given us life, peace and harmony. The woman covers her head only in church to avoid vanity. It has nothing to do with the temptation it might pose for men who lose self-control while looking at a woman's hair. Christ made the marriage relationship perfect by forbidding divorce and asking men and women to be attached to each other and to form one flesh. Christ also forbade bigamy. Also, the Christian bride enjoys calm and stability. She knows that it is not possible that her husband will one day arrive at the home with another woman with whom he will force him to live. Neither can he, in a moment of anger, destroy the home by saying to his wife, You are repudiated. He cannot beget children from two wives, 
and you know all the enmity that exists between children of the same father and different mothers. I thank God for manifesting Himself to me and transferring me from Islam to Christianity. I thank Him because Christianity is a great grace. I urge every Muslim, I appeal to the lively conscience and the mature mind of every human being, that everyone use their reason. Islam to Christianity. I thank Him because Christianity is a great grace. I urge every Muslim, I appeal to the lively conscience and the mature mind of every human being, that everyone use their reason. Islam to Christianity. I thank Him because Christianity is a great grace. I urge every Muslim, I appeal to the lively conscience and the mature mind of every human being, that everyone use their reason. Call for Conversion. You, my Muslim brother, you, my Muslim sister, do not be afraid. The Lord protects us and defends us. Do not fear the sword of apostasy hanging over your head. Think of our Lord whom you will meet at the end of time. What will you tell Him? That you were afraid? Do you think that the Lord cannot protect you as He did for me in the heart of the city of Cairo where I was very famous? I served for twenty years as principal in a school attended by four thousand pupils. Each year, one thousand to one thousand five hundred students left school after their promotion and were replaced by as many new students. Imagine the number of people who knew the teacher Nahed, the school principal. They knew the area of his residence. And yet the Lord. I am now speaking to all people who live in Europe, the United States or Canada. I tell them, you now live in free countries which guarantee you freedom of conscience. Why not follow the path of wisdom? Why betray reason and live in the shadow of old ideas? Why adhere without judgment to the received ideas of the ancestors? What are reason and logic for? God distinguished us from other creatures by reason. Why remain a prisoner of traditions and accepted prejudices? What are studies and culture for? You are now living abroad. We must take advantage of it. The Bible is trustworthy. Read it. Read the Gospel, if only for cultural reasons. Know the words of Christ. Study the content of Christianity and compare. I urge all Muslims to open the Gospel and learn about the life of Christ. How to pass judgment on what we do not know. Let us lift up our hearts to God and address our prayers to Him. Life is very short, even if it lasts 70, 80 or 100 years. Then will come the great day of judgment when we will stand before the Creator to give Him an account of our refusals. What excuse can we make? I beg you, in the name of the God whom we all worship, to open the Bible, to read it, to taste it and to compare, on the one hand, the commandment to fight and to kill and, on the other hand, the charity and peace of a beautiful life in the company of Christ. The Lord is able to lead us to His true light. I read in the Quran that God commands non-Muslims to embrace Islam or, otherwise, pay tribute. I ask you then, my Muslim brother and sister who now live in Europe or North America or anywhere else, have you ever been asked to become a Christian or be forced to pay the price of your attachment to Islam? Has anyone ever got involved in your life of faith to tell you what religion you should belong to? God created us free. He has given us freedom of conscience. God does not destroy the worshippers of the sacred cow. He does not harm those who do not practice any religion or those who deny His existence. How then would He allow Muslims to force those who follow their own religion to embrace the the young? Ramadan fasting started a short time ago for Muslims. And I observed the respectful attitude of Europeans and Americans towards fasting and the religious feelings of Muslims. They granted them certain accommodations in the working hours to facilitate their fasting. No one protested against the Ramadan fast. On the other hand, 
I would like to whisper in your ear, my Muslim brother and sister, and ask you if it is logical that God wants us to fast for a month from morning to night for, after sunset. Sun, setting a table full of food? Is this how you care for the poor who does not have enough to eat? And the poor one to whom one would say, you must go without food for six, ten or twelve hours, then a table will be set for you, filled with food and everything you could possibly want, wouldn't he be delighted to accept the proposal? As for me, when I was a Muslim, I started the preparations for Ramadan two or three months in advance, filling the refrigerator with all kinds of meats, gathering the necessary ingredients for making all kinds of sweets, multiplying the projects. Culinary. Now consider fasting in Christianity. It is quite different from fasting in Islam. The Lord Jesus did not tell us how many hours and days to fast, or what to eat. He contented himself with saying, When you fast, do not give yourself a gloomy air like the hypocrites do, they look defeated, so that men can see that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they already have their reward. For you, when you fast, perfume your head and wash your face, so that your fast is known not to men, but to your Father who is there in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, 16-18 Human Elevation with Christ I would now like to raise a very important point. Human life began with the creation of Adam and Eve. They sinned and were cast out of paradise. On earth then reigned the law of the jungle, the law of the strongest who did not respect the law. Then God, through the prophets, gave us laws. The law of the jungle was then succeeded by the Mosaic law, the law given by Moses who spoke face to face with God, according to the testimony of the Quran. The law of Moses, to which the Quran is very close, is the law of retaliation, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It is also the law of polygamy and divorce. But when Christ came, he uplifted humanity by the law of monogamy and that of nonviolence. does anyone give you a slap on the right cheek, give him the other again. Matthew 5 39, it is the law of love and peace which knows neither murder, nor war, nor tribute to be paid. Christ brought the moral elevation of mankind to its peak. He commanded all human beings to love and forgive each other. When the Apostle Peter asked him whether to forgive his brother seven times, he replied that he had to forgive seventy-seven times seven times. So try to count the number of pardons you have to grant to your brother. He also said, when you present your gift at the altar, if there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, in front of the altar, and go first to be reconciled with your brother. Matthew 5, 23-24. He also recommended settling disputes amicably rather than going to court, see 5:25. When humanity, with Christ, has reached such a degree of perfection, such a moral and spiritual elevation, what can happen? Christ, Word of God and Spirit of God, who raised the dead and opened the eyes of the blind, who created from clay a bird, who was conceived without a father in the womb of the most worthy woman of all the women in the universe, the blessed Virgin Mary, how, nearly six hundred years after him, can come about a religion that denies what Christ taught. Ask yourself, my Muslim brother, and you my Muslim sister. And how can God, having raised us so high morally, bring us back to the level of Islamic law which is very much like Mosaic law? Open your heart and your mind, O my brother, O my sister in Islam, and read the Bible to taste the grace of Christ. I am sure the Lord will guide you. Rest assured that I am not condemning or defaming Islam, for Christ does not inspire such attitudes. But it is a question of truth, look at the Lord and come and taste how good He is. Again I beg you to open your heart and read the Bible. She is trustworthy. The text has never been altered. 
Do not accept false accusations without examining them. Christ and Muhammad. Finally, I would like to consider a final point. Oh my brother, oh my sister in Islam, compare the two very different personalities that are offered to you. Which one will you follow? Consider this, first, Christ Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary without human intervention. Muhammad, the Apostle of Islam, was born to parents whose religious status you know. Second, Christ Jesus did not get married, he dedicated himself to his mission. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended into heaven. His life on earth lasted only 33 years. Muhammad married countless women after the death of his first wife Hadija. She was the cousin of the well-known Christian priest Waraka Nufal in the Muslim tradition. Waraka had blessed Hadija's marriage with Muhammad who could be considered a Christian bridegroom. At that time, at the start of his career, Muhammad indeed lived and spoke like a Christian. His marriage to Hadija, his senior by 25 years, was monogamous. He would not have dared to marry a second wife during his lifetime. But after his death, he married many women, including Aisha who was only seven years old when he became engaged to her and nine years old when he consummated, at 53 or 54, his union with her. If you had a nine-year-old daughter, can you imagine, oh my brother, oh my sister, to give her in marriage to a man over 50? Where is the mercy in such a marriage? Muslims I asked why Muhammad married a child replied that it was to make him remember the Quran and religious traditions. Aisha thus transmitted many hadith. But is this the ideal way to ensure the transmission of traditions? Wouldn't it have been better to have recourse to a certain number of children without involving them in a conjugal relationship? But let's move on. But is this the ideal way to ensure the transmission of traditions? Wouldn't it have been better to have recourse to a certain number of children without involving them in a conjugal relationship? But let's move on. But is this the ideal way to ensure the transmission of traditions? Wouldn't it have been better to have recourse to a certain number of children without involving them in a conjugal relationship? But let's move on. Then there was Zainab bint Jesh who was the wife of his adopted son Zaid ibn Harita. And God revealed a special verse in the Quran reproaching Muhammad for hiding his feelings in his heart and ordering him to marry Zainab, once divorced from her husband, in order to abolish the custom of adoption. Not to mention the beautiful women who were widowed and those whose husbands were killed in war. But most bewildering is this verse of the Quran, 3350, where God, the Holy God grants Muhammad the exclusive right to use sexually any believing woman who dedicates herself to him. Can it be that God allows his envoy to enter into a sexual relationship with any Muslim woman who offers herself to him? Let 10, 20, 50 or 100 women go find the envoy to tell him, I dedicate myself to you, he uses it. No. No. It cannot be done. Third, Christ Jesus did not make war, he did not use the sword. He said to the apostle who wanted to defend him at the time of his arrest, Sheath your sword, for all that take the sword shall perish by the sword. Matthew 26:52. Christ called us to peace and love. On the other hand, Muhammad preached murder, war, military conquests, raids. Fourth, Christ Jesus during his lifetime did not desire a woman or any worldly goods. On the other hand, a hadith reports on the subject of Muhammad, that any woman on whom his gaze or his shadow fell had to become his wife to avoid that he desires her in vain. What logic! Fifth, Christ Jesus offered his life on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins and washed us, and then he ascended to heaven. While Muhammad died of poison. Allow me, here, a little comment, Christianity teaches that those who are sent by Christ to preach the gospel, 
if they happen to absorb a poison, it cannot harm them. But Muhammad, the Apostle of Islam, was put to the test by a Jewish woman who served him a poisoned lamb, thinking that if he is truly a prophet, he will not experience any harm. Muhammad died at the age of 60 from the effect of poison. Another Jewish woman had previously put him to the test of magic, telling herself that magic has no hold on a true prophet. To this end she used Muhammad's comb, then he lost his hair and his memory. Tradition reports that he forgot which of his wives he had united, for he had fifteen whom he met in turn every day. So you have in front of you, my brothers and sisters, two personalities, the first is Christ, born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who performed many miracles, who did not marry, who did not did not use the sword, which did not preach violence or murder but peace, forgiveness and love. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. The second is Muhammad who was born of pagan parents. He believes he is getting his mission from the angel Gabriel. He drew from this life all he could in terms of carnal pleasures and warlike adventures and he died of poison. Two personalities, the first is Christ, born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who performed many miracles, who did not marry, who did not use the sword, who did not did not preach violence or murder but peace, forgiveness and love. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. The second is Muhammad who was born of pagan parents. He believes he is getting his mission from the angel Gabriel. He drew from this life all he could in terms of carnal pleasures and warlike adventures and he died poisoned. Two personalities, the first is Christ, born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who performed many miracles, who did not marry, who did not use the sword, who did not did not preach violence or murder but peace, forgiveness and love. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. The second is Muhammad who was born of pagan parents. He believes he is getting his mission from the angel Gabriel. He drew from this life all he could in terms of carnal pleasures and warlike adventures and he died poisoned. Forgiveness and love. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. The second is Muhammad who was born of pagan parents. He believes he has his mission from the angel Gabriel. He drew from this life all he could in terms of carnal pleasures and warlike adventures and he died poisoned. Forgiveness and love. He died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. The second is Muhammad who was born of pagan parents. He believes he has his mission from the angel Gabriel. He drew from this life all he could in terms of carnal pleasures and warlike adventures and he died poisoned. From these two men, whose message will we accept? Your turn to judge. The number of those who embrace the Christian faith does not matter to us. What matters is the personal commitment that God will ask us to account for on the day of judgment. I care about my Muslim brothers and sisters because I love them and I have lived 45 years in Islam. My family and friends still live in Islam and I speak to them with the logic of love. I would like them to discover the happiness of being with Christ and the blessed light to which the Lord has drawn me. He is able to draw you in and enlighten you to make you discern the truth. All I want is for you to taste the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved for the end is near and life is short. The day is coming when we will stand before the Lord to be accountable for all of our lives. May the Lord enlighten you and reveal the truth to you so that you recognize that Christ is the Savior, the Son of the living God. He is the principle and the end, the light of the world, the only path that leads to God. Amen. Prayers. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give thanks to you, O our God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, O Christ, 
for drawing us to your wonderful light. We thank you for the cross by which you have saved us from our sins, for your precious blood by which you have washed and purified us. We thank you for your most holy name, for peace and love and for your promises on our behalf. Lord Jesus, you are faithful in your promises. You assured us that our requests to the Father in your name would be granted. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the blessed, the mighty. I implore light for all men. May they recognize, Father, that you are the true God. May they know you and come to you. May they recognize in Jesus the only Savior, the way, the truth and the life. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which they can be saved. I pray, Lord, for my sisters and my Muslim brothers, for all the people that I know, for all human beings who are the work of your hands. May they know you, may they follow your path and come to you. I give you thanks for the abundance of your salvation and your wonderful light. To you all glory and all praise from everlasting to everlasting. Amen.